Hey guys, it's Pete. Just wanted to let you know that my second book, Frankenstein's Soul's Echo, is now available. It continues the adventure from Frankenstein to Life Beyond, which is a direct sequel to Mary Shelley's classic novel. Both Frankenstein Life Beyond and Frankenstein Soul's Echo are available as ebooks on Amazon, iBookstore, Barnes and Noble, Cabo, and of course from EnceladusLiterary.com. Thanks. Now on with the show. Welcome to Hindsight is 2020, a show where we look at anything in this world and arrogantly say how we'd fix it. And I can prove it with my usual flawless logic. These two idiots. <laughs> we give our thoughts on movies and TV shows that should or should not have been. Mr. Bond. James Bond. With your host, Pete. Talk here, listen here. So that's what I've been doing wrong all these years. And Greg. You are a funny man, Mr. Bond. Now the whole world's gonna know that you don't scratch my balls. <laughs> and we slowly and mercilessly beat our subject to death. The purpose of our two previous encounters is now very clear to me. I do not intend to be distracted by another. Good night, Mr. Bond. Do you expect me to talk? No, Mr. Bond, I expect you to die. Don't put Brad on the phone. Oh, you said it was over. Uh, Not Brad. Oh, <laughs> hey, Brad. <laughs> and with that, we are starting our James Bond recording. Oh, that's sad. <laughs> <laughs> so, Bond. Oh, is that Jimmy Bond? Oh. No, no. <laughs> it's Gil. Salesman Gil. I'm your new sidekick. <laughs> Give me a Coleco. Shake and not stirred. Oh. And one more payment. Close the deal, Gil. Close deal. <laughs> Save the world. <laughs> so with that, here we are with Captain James Bond of the SS Royal Bond. Come oh. on, let's be canon here. Wow, if you out there don't realize who's the Bond fan, <laughs> say, who's the Bond fan here? I like to tell people that there are... Top to uh, the Bond fandom here. I like to tell people uh, that we're, there, there are three pop culture things out there that will get us to a movie theater in the same city. It's... Yeah. Uh, if there's a DC or Marvel thing, then you'll acquiesce and come to me. And if there's a Star Wars thing, we'll agree to be there together. Right. And if there's a James Bond thing, I will go to you. So <laughs> it seems to be uh, typical. But James Bond's only about once every three years, so it saves me yeah, on gas money. Yeah, and uh, we could see another uh, change in the casting here, but I'm jumping ahead. Oh, Feel free. So you think uh, as we record this in the waning days of the glorious year that is 2015, Marty, that uh, Daniel Craig has seen his last, even though we haven't seen it? Yeah, after we got all those Halloween episodes. Oh, oh God. <laughs> yeah, we we owe you. We'll be back next October <laughs> for some horror stuff, <laughs> if not sooner. Sorry. Anyways. Uh, yeah, actually, uh, Daniel Craig, who I really like in the role, has made 
noises, hints, however you want to take it, that it's like, well, you know, this is um, a very physically demanding role. It takes a lot of time. Uh, I'm getting to be about 50 years old. I really enjoy it, but I don't know if I want to keep doing this forever. So, yeah, he's he's kind of put it out there with the release of this newest Bond movie that he might not be around for the next one. So I personally hope that's not the case, but we've yeah, seen but realistically, before with Bond. And but realistically, though. changes, and we'll just see what happens if it does. Realistically, though, he's done four. And yeah. that's about average, I guess. Uh, you know. Well, if you wanted to go with Connery and Moore, I believe they both did seven. Yeah, but Brosnan did four, Dalton did two, Lazenby one. So, you know, four is enough. And I, we always it might be the new a- average. Who knows? Well, and we always talk about this where we're in this modern age now, where it just seems like. A decade or two decades ago, there aren't a whole lot of humongous cultural shifts, whereas, like, Roger Moore started right on the cusp of the 70s and then ended in the mid-80s, and it just seems like, whoa, he did that forever. <laughs> and he really didn't do it much longer than Daniel Craig's been doing it now. Well, He's been doing it about a decade. Before started, he was a lot older than... Uh, well, true enough, but Daniel Craig was in his low, you know, his early 40s when he started, I think. And that was 10 years ago. Yeah. I want to say Moore was 45, 46 in his first movie, Live and Let Die. Yeah, he's older than Connery. Yeah. Which is just nuts. But And how he did that so long. And I, I think that's the thing that we always talk about when we talk about like our TV shows. You, you got to have an ending here, folks. You can't just drag it on. And I <laughs> well, think he, he wanted to stop after um, for your eyes only, and just kind of it's like you got into the eighty-three two Bond movies coming out, the classic with Sean Connery and uh, Octopussy with him, and it was like, all right, well, I'll keep going. And then I don't know how uh, the eighty-five movie happened, but it did. Well, a kill. well, hopefully they just learn their lesson. It's like, well, let's get out while we're on top. I mean, there's <laughs> something to be said for that old adage, and I think that's very smart for them to potentially do right now because, again, we have not either one of us seen Spectre. No, this the everything that follows, and again, from just the... We've tried to stay, I think, collectively as spoiler-free as possible with this, um, but... It seems to be one of those more divisive bonds. Yeah, it seems like maybe they're running out of a little bit of Daniel Craig's steam and it's time for another reboot. Because that's what Bond is is very unique in this cultural landscape for the ability to do is to just continue to reinvent and to keep going and to still be this successful. I mean, the most successful Bond movie of all time was three years ago. Mm-hmm. And then things started in the 60s. So <laughs> you can say there's other more successful or better films, but just from a straight up movie that made a billion dollars was Daniel Craig's third and 50 years after the damn movie series started. So this is alone in uh, the movie landscape. No, clearly. I'm trying to think of any other 
movie series that have been this long lived. There haven't been. And to go back to an episode that we're not going to release, I mean, you have like Dracula <laughs> and Frankenstein are basically the only things that have been around yeah, that long. Again, we may take another pass oh, at God. that. We did no, try we to come up with another October episode. We had some good thoughts there, but uh, technology wasn't working for us and we just didn't feel like it gelled enough. So you know, we may take a second pass at that, but for now. We had a death curse. Whoa. Oh, good lord! <laughs> Going to Camp Blood, ain't you? So, uh, but we're here with. I know what you're thinking? <laughs> we're here with Jimmy Bond, see, and uh, I don't know why Jimmy Bond just turned into Jimmy Cagney, but uh, <laughs> so James Bond, uh, totally natural, yeah. <laughs> so go, Captain James Bond, fan of all time. Captain, where? Did you start your bondum? Go. All right. Uh, I got to go back to... Uh, I'm not going to credit the network. I'm going to... Mm, might have been ABC. Way back in the day, I remember randomly the first shot I remember, and I believe it's the opening, the cold open of the movie Thunderball, which, if you're a Bond fan, is questionable as far as like is this great or garbage or whatever uh him on the jet pack going for like 12 seconds up in the air it's like whoa and then you think about it it's like wait what is the functionality of the thing or whatever but as a kid you're watching this it's like spy jet pack what and that kind of grabbed my attention. And and my, suddenly you told your parents, I want to go see Spy Jetpack. I want to go to Jetpack. <laughs> my name is Jetpack Spy. That's right. Just change it now, legally. Come on, people. <laughs> Head off of the past. My name is Spy Jetpack. Yeah, but uh, that, that was my earliest memory of it. And... Uh, driving all the way back around to the Indiana Jones franchise, which we tackled with, uh, <laughs> what would you do post number four? Um, nothing. Uh, 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 zombie Elsa. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, when I went and I saw that movie and everything, that was, uh, really my first, I believe, formal introduction to Sean Connery. And, um, I was like, you know, oh, okay. And they were making various references and everybody was going, oh, well, who would be perfect to play Indy's dad? Oh, well, James Bond. I'm like, oh, well, huh? And, you know, they had to kind of explain to me. They're like, oh, yeah, these real popular movies back in the 60s and da 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 And I kind of got me intrigued and uh, was it TBS or TNT? I don't know, some Turner network thing that used to, in the 90s, do the, uh, around this time of year, the big James Bond marathons and show a bunch of those movies. And I'd occasionally catch those and uh, just kind of worked my way slowly into the character, the mythology. And uh, I see all the flaws. I see all the promise. I, I'm familiar with the author and the books and just kind of immersed myself into it. And it's just one of those fun adventure things to me that I just really enjoy. Um, adventure storytelling, you know, flawed, perfect, whatever. I just kind of roll with it and I just... 
to <laughs> to quote Office Space, I celebrate the entire catalog. You celebrate the entire oeuvre. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that uh, and that entire time, you know, I just imagine you slowly walking down to the TV to turn on TBS <laughs> and just hearing the boom, 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 boom. That's your action music as you make a slow walk to the front desk of the hotel or something. Damn right. Uh-oh. Yeah. I, yeah. Oh, man. That, the first couple <laughs> of movies with that, with the James Bond theme, a lot of people, it's so iconic now. But you go, by, you go back, you watch those earlier movies, and you're just like, wait, he's checking into a hotel, and there's just like blaring heroic music he's like do i have any messages (laughs) (laughs) no you don't mr bond (laughs) (laughs) it is that bad it's like anything they got to kind of find their pacing and where they're going with it it's the beverly hills cop problem do we have to have axel f play while this guy's going to the bathroom (laughs) (laughs) it's 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 about that ridiculous there for a couple of movies but uh what uh, I'll spin it back on you. What's your history with this series? Oh, don't you be spinning things on oh, me. It's coming right back. <laughs> I knew of it as a child. I knew there was such a thing as James Bond. Um, in fact, my first foray into anything that had to do with James Bond had nothing to do with James Bond. It was uh, in uh, Cannibal Run. The classic uh, Burt Reynolds, Dom DeLuise. How do we keep coming back to that lately? <laughs> I don't know, but it was that's where it was because Run, Star Wars, uh, James Bond. Yeah, but, but you know, Roger Moore played essentially the James Bond character in that movie. He, he did that in a couple of movies. Yeah, I think but, Wild Geese or whatever it was. He kind of pulled that off too. But that's the one I saw as a kid, and so I that's. My point of reference when I go to my base limbic system and and think about, all right, I'm remembering James Bond from earliest age, I think of Roger Moore and Cannonball Run wearing a white suited tuxedo doing that role or whatever because that's what I knew. And then later on I knew of, uh, you know, the TBS marathons and I'd try to watch it. And honestly, the only real point of reference that I had prior to actually seeing a movie is my dad talking about um, them shooting Goldfinger because he was stationed uh, in the Army at Fort Knox, Kentucky, in the <laughs> 60s, and they were shooting the movie around that time. So one of his myriad of stories from that era is talking about them shooting. He said, I remember when they were, Sean Connery was down and they were shooting Goldfinger. I'm like, okay. But... But I never really... I, I saw bits and pieces of it, but I had no context of it. And have you ever seen Goldfinger? I have now, but... Okay. Yes, you interrupt my story. <laughs> <laughs> but the uh, first movie I ever saw in total was Goldeneye in the theater in 95. Okay. And, and that was when it was post-high school, pre-college, in-college... Let's see every damn movie that hits the movie theater. So that's why we have done an episode in our history called 1995, because I think I saw everything that year. And again, that was my first Bond in the theater movie as well. So Yeah, well, that was my first Bond period uh, that I saw from start to finish. And and quite honestly, I've gone back and I've seen... I, let's put it this way. I have seen a representation from every era now. 
I okay. think I've seen three Conneries. A... Uh, I know you saw... I've seen Goldfinger, I've seen From Russia With Love, and I've seen Thunderball. Okay. And then I saw most of Moonraker, and I saw the first Dalton one when it was on Netflix. Um, and then I saw all the Brosnan ones, and I've seen all the Daniel Craig's. So I'm a modern Bond person because, uh, yeah, honestly, the From Russia with Love was kind of a tough set to watch that. I'm like, <laughs> everyone says this is the greatest one ever, and I'm like, oh, it, it, well, it is. For a it's lot the- of people, that's where it like all kind of came together. It's like, oh, okay, so the like big henchman, him kind of like using his mind out with the guy. The gadgets get introduced there. Um, Spectre really comes into the forefront in that one. Uh, I think they really play up the relationship aspect in that one more than the original one. I mean, uh, Doctor No, which you haven't, you said you haven't seen. I've seen bits and pieces of the yeah, old the Doctor Honey Man. Rider. I mean. Uh, the character comes off as a bit of like it's like what what is going on with you exactly it's like you're physically hot but what <laughs> yes james <laughs> <laughs> oh not even that i mean it's just like it's just like um are you kind of are you human like, lack of a better way of putting it it's like are you kind of special what's <laughs> i feel kind of bad or i should about like the way you're portraying yourself here right now, uh, but yeah, there's there's definite flaws with that original one. A lot of people seem to think that number two, it's like okay, we're getting a lot further into the tried and true formula, and you get to number three, which again heavy on the misogyny. And when you talk about the flaws of Bond, that is something that goes forward through a lot of movies, uh, but. That's one of the ones that a lot of people are like, oh, okay, well, here is where all the various elements to come really come together. And this is the kind of complete template for everything that's going to come with it. And he gets the Ashton Martin. That's right. Yes. And that's the last time I will attempt to do that voice on this podcast to save oh, everyone from the typical, be. you're wrong. Because <laughs> then I'll just slip into Daryl Hammond and we're nobody, <laughs> nobody wins. <clears throat> so, what are devices like that before? I don't mind. <laughs> so, 50 some odd years this series has been going. Which is insane just on its surface to think about, yeah. Is it purely money, or is there an actual strong enough appetite that people obviously keep coming back, but is it fan-driven, or is it producerial-driven that we still have a series? (laughs) Both. The Broccoli family has kept their finger on the pulse of this thing all the way through. Um, I think the real test for Bond is going to come, I mean, it's like it's outlived its creator, Ian Fleming. The real test is going to be when, if this day comes, that there aren't any broccoli family representatives to carry it all forward. Um, Don't be they, silly. We love the broccoli family. They're, they're good for Bond. They really have invested themselves in this process. 
they have stood by through a lot of criticism over the years to the formula that goes into Bond. They've played with it. They've introduced new ideas with it. And it's really, it's kind of like a dynasty unto itself. It's a very unique creation in that way that it's something that has transpired generations, but also they've kind of played around with some of their own tropes. Um, in a lot of ways, it's kind of Simpson-esque that way. Which is amazing because The Simpsons is awful to watch and bond movies seem to like have these moments where they're like wow that's the best one they've ever made and it's 20 some in yeah how many years is like dr no 1962 62 (laughs) yeah now 2012 and yeah yeah, made a billion dollars ever yeah I mean, I look at it from, and from the ones I've seen, I'd say my favorite, two favorites are GoldenEye and uh, Skyfall, as far as my two favorite movies out of what I've seen. And I've obviously not seen them all. But, so I'm more of a, a modern take on it, but... Well, it, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I mean, I've I've seen the older ones. I can appreciate aspects of them. Do I roll easily with all of them? No. Do I appreciate what they offer in their own kind of context and what they were at the time for the audiences and everything? Sure. Uh, does it all translate today? Oh, absolutely not. <laughs> but I think it's so amazing as to how it outlasts its own spoofs. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's, it's had several rounds. Hours, which is how Daniel Craig got the job. Yeah, it's been like several rounds of different ways that, I mean, the 60s had an explosion of spy stuff because of James oh. Bond. Yeah. Then it was jokey spy stuff, and James Bond continued. Then James <laughs> Bond got a little jokey itself, and then got more serious. And then there was an offshoot of James Bond. Then it got really serious, and then died and then they resurrected it again. And then Austin Powers came in. And Bond died again. And then he came back even harder than ever. And now he's going stronger than ever. And it, probably some spoof will come up soon. So well, it, some of those deaths. Do you know the whole uh, Kevin McClory background with this? A little bit. Just because of listening to other podcasts about those movies. So I know yeah. the basics about he was a Broccoli producerial partner who had the falling out and owned the rights to Thunderball, which he turned into the offshoot Kim Basinger one. Yeah, basically he and Fleming and apparently a couple other guys uh, kind of developed the whole Thunderball story way back before the novel was even produced. And then they said, eh, we'll just kind of see where this goes. Fleming put the novel out there. McClory filed lawsuit after lawsuit after lawsuit for most of his life. And I I believe it was in the late 60s or early 70s. They said, okay, well, uh, you've got the right to produce a movie that has these certain elements in it. And that's how we ended up with the uh, one of two non-official Eon productions of James Bond, um, the other being the original comedic, quote-unquote, Casino Royale, and um, Never Say Never Again, which came out in 83, was the result of all the McClory stuff. But after that movie came out, and it did okay, but um, it didn't beat the 
Eon production of Octopussy the same year there in 83. And he just kept trying to come up with his own kind of movies at one point after Dalton had stepped out of the Eon role as James Bond, he was going to come back and there was back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. And it really wasn't until I, I want to say around the time Skyfall came out that I think he passed away and all of the legal hurdles were finally cleared. And that's how we ended up with the Spectre movie. So Spectre was one of those tenants of the original script and everything that they came up with together. So we weren't going to have like a Scrody McBoogerballs Bond movie <laughs> where it's slapped together and starring uh, starring John Connery and and Ricky Dalton are now going to play uh, John Boned or something. Oh gosh, I hope not. <laughs> So how <laughs> Harry Carey is James? <laughs> hey, get on into my bed. All right, I'll have a Are Budweiser shaking. Spy stuff. I sure am. <laughs> Budweiser shaking, just shaking. It's fine. Oh, oh God. good Lord! I'm going to the moon. <laughs> what planet do you think we're on right now? Go ahead, guess. <laughs> You lose. I'm a moonraker. <laughs> Cubs win. I'm Bond. Cubs win. Some of the movie versions are apparently uh, radically different from the actual novelizations. They've uh, taken quite a bit of liberties as far as blending and mixing over the years with some of the elements. So, But aren't we over the books now? Have we not uh, expended all yeah, of the we Ian got Fleming a few books? short stories left. Uh well, the main one that comes up to my mind is a horrible title, and I've never read it. <laughs> James Bond in New York. Oh, yeah. He meets up with Jason Voorhees. He's like, oh, I'm going to Thanksgiving dinner or something. Yeah, I, I, I have no idea what's in that one. That is awful. No, there's only a couple of titles that are left from the original Fleming series. All right, so here we get into the meat of our show, our our format. Can this series ever end? <laughs> well, sure, Bond can die. Can he? Can he? Is this oh, like well, that? All that all goes into what you believe. Well, here's here's uh, a good comparison. Here's a good comparison for you, and, okay. and bear with me here because this is what. Who? What? Nothing. All right, then. <laughs> hey! Never say never again! You know what I'm saying? Cubs win! So, the comparison that I caught, I thought up here, uh, when you'd mentioned it earlier, like, is there anything like this? Mm -hmm. To a much lesser extent, uh, but I think it's there. I think Halloween is kind of like this. Because, okay, because and again, the comparison is very flimsy, but because you have a story that is so basic in, in its nature and its telling. All right. And there isn't a whole lot of room to make much 
expansion upon the the basic story, except just doing another version of the same story. Right. Which is what the Broccoli's have always kind of maintained about it. They're like, well, it's been a lot of people want to come in and kind of change things up and mess with the formula. And they're like, oh, Bond is stale. You got to do that. And that family, and I mean, they've remained in the role of the producers and everything. They have maintained very ardently over decades. It's like, look, this formula works. But I see it as like a, the the correlation to what I see in in kind of giving my thoughts on that question is mm-hmm. should Bond die? Is that to that lesser extent you think you've got the Halloween series with Michael Myers and the Akkad family is just like a lesser version of the Broccoli family? They own the rights and they are going to put something out no matter what, and they've tried different versions of it, but it's all this convoluted nonsense and yet they're still talking about doing another Halloween movie with Michael Myers at the head. And you're thinking, just stop. You you don't, (laughs) it's like Terminator. You don't, the stories were told you can be done. Yeah. Obviously you need to keep going. So is bond ever going to reach that point where people are just like spy. He gets laid a lot. He has a car, gadgets, bad guy, gets tortured, wins in the end. Next, M, money, penny, office, serve the queen, and go on. I, I mean, can that legitimately go on forever? No, nothing goes on forever. But they've been saying that for years, and yet here we are 50-some-odd years later, and it's still tops of the box office, and we're here doing a show about who's going to be the next Bond, and I just wonder, Again, not that I'm asking I, for it, I'm just I, saying, I, I wonder, I is it ever going to Okay, I think that's an outgrowth of a couple of things. You've got... Oh, God, we'll get that looked at. See a doctor and get rid of it. <laughs> <laughs> bond Um you got a couple of things going on. You've got a known property, a known character. You've got people who for decades were invested in the books and grounded in that. And then after a time, it was the pop culture aspect of it. And it's really just kind of an institution at this point. A lot of people say, you know, kind of what I was saying with it. It's like, okay, flaws. Oh God. Yes. Um, Things that they have done correctly, incorrectly. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. But it's this unique thing that because of the way they've structured it, it's okay. Well, do we do we believe that this is the same guy going through all of this? Do we think that it's like multiple people who just have this uh, name that they assume of James Bond, does it matter at the end of the day? It's, we like adventure. We like stories that kind of take us as new environments. I mean, that was one of the big strengths early on about the Bond series. It was a travelogue. It was, hey, here's something you haven't seen before, an environment, a place, an idea. And a lot of people, I mean, stereotypical or otherwise, and again, you'll you'll get a lot of criticism and a lot of it merited about those things. Um, 
what is it that we really kind of get or like out of the whole experience of the Bond movies? It can be cheesy. It can be serious. It can be a blend of both. I mean, we've seen all of these things tonally. And it's just this very unique, ongoing experience. And I don't know if anybody's really concerned about the end point with it, you know, now. It's just a perpetual character or even caricature at points. So if you got psychologically in depth, what would you say draws you to the Bond series like you do? Again, I think for me on like a very, very base thrills level, it's the adventure. It's like you're going out, you're seeing the beautiful women, you're going to the unique locales, you're um, establishing some kind of adventurous tone for the audience you you get the thrills, you get the beats that you kind of like. You know, it's like going home again. You get the Denise Richards physicist. Well, <laughs> again, missteps have happened. Oh, uh, but you you get that experience, and you know what you're going in for. And it's 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 kind of like the comfort food. You know, it's like you're sitting down with your grilled cheese and tomato soup on a cold, you know. November day, and you're going, all right, well, I've had a rough day. This is uh, perfectly fine and satisfying, and it is what it is, and might not be the healthiest thing for me. Might be great, but I enjoy it. Right on. Yeah. So, so it's very base level. I, I just enjoy it. So here's our task then. Mm. They come and say, we need you for a new Bond movie. Do we go the route of, hey, this thing needs to change and evolve and be something different? Or would you be on the side of, all right, I'll write what fits into that formula for you? (laughs) All right. A couple of things I got to qualify that with uh, for the parameters. Do I operate under the existing family module and Daniel Craig being in the role. And when do I get paid? <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that what those are the stipulations that you have? Whoa, whoa, whoa. slow down, I <laughs> <laughs> And when do I get paid now? <laughs> I, I mean, that, that's what we're here for, is that let's just assume this is Daniel Craig's last. Okay, but we're putting you in the producer role. I'm the lowly writer. What are you telling me? I'm telling you, you're not going to get paid. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Damn now, you. <laughs> now go get my laundry coffee. Uh, I would say, you know, assume this is the last Daniel Craig. And, you know, we got three, four years from now. We're going to start new. There's no legal issues. New idea, new story. Mm-hmm. Just at a base level, you being the Bond man. Oh. What is your ideal? Uh, has uh, I'll do two questions, mm-hmm. or a two-part question, I might say, Senator? <laughs> do you have an ideal Bond movie that has already been ha- been done? And if not, what is what makes up your ideal Bond movie besides Monica Bellucci? <laughs> Hi, Monica. <laughs> um. <laughs> He's all alone. (laughs) (laughs) Look, beautiful is beautiful. Doesn't matter. Um, 
That's kind of a complex question for me because I'm probably going to spin in my own headspace a little bit on this because I am so familiar with the franchise. Every actor who has taken on the role in every era that Bond has played out in, I think you've got kind of a unique bent take um, tone that is set with it. So... Connery is typically seen as kind of the, he's the bruiser. He's the no nonsense, get it done, um, enjoy it while you're doing it, kind of wink at the camera guy. Uh, More, I think a lot of people are just like, it's the farcical, tons of gadgets, uh, not taking it too seriously, uh, Bond. You have moments and you have movies where he does that, but at its heart, it's a lot lighter. Um, you've got Lazenby in there with the one-off with uh, His Majesty's Secret Service, and that's the movie where the Bond character gets married, and you have a tragic ending to that. At the, I'm not going to say anything more than that, but uh, that I think is what they're kind of and again i haven't seen it yet um kind of tonally what they might be trying to emulate with specter so going back to some of the roots um you definitely got that with dalton he was all about going back to the source material and making bond this kind of heartless hardcore i've seen the world i know the ugliness of its spy and i think they it was way too much of a tonal shift from what Moore had been doing for you know seven movies uh and then you've got pierce and a lot of the criticism with pierce comes in on twofold it's he never really committed he gets compared mostly to Moore and connery And it's like, all right, well, are you the bruiser or are you the, like, pun-delivering guy? What are you? And I think a lot of audiences were just kind of like, well, I don't know what to make of this character now. Which, again, that's the scripts he was handed, the time period he was in, what he worked with and everything. Um, He was kind of the heir apparent after Remington Steele and was one of those characters – portrayed it, I think, in kind of a schizophrenic way for a lot of audiences, and they couldn't totally follow it. Craig, I think they, two things, they reacted to the Austin Powers movies, and honestly, they have said just flat out, I believe Craig himself has said, look, the reason the character is what he is today is because of those movies, and we had to go in a completely opposite direction. That was going in the comedic, We kind of tried that with the last Brosnan movie. It didn't totally work. And so this is where we ended up, this kind of uber-serious, realistic take on what you would go into. I don't know if if Brosnan was comedic as much as just lighter. It was was just lighter. Back and forth and back and forth. It's like he'd throw out a pun, and then the next minute it would be like, I'm the most tragic man on the planet kind of thing. Um, And again, I'm speaking from just general kind of comments and consensus. I mean, I'm not weighing in totally on my own two cents on that one. But he really, more than anybody, didn't kind of 
establish his own take on the character. It was this, always this kind of like hybrid. Okay. And then Daniel Craig is just a bruising bruiser. Yeah, he just he's just a bruiser. Um, which again I think follows a little bit more in what Dalton was trying to do. Uh, but again, you've got a little bit and again, it, it it might be some of the modern storytelling, it might be some of the way that the uh directors and actors have chosen to kind of go with this and everything like that, but you have a little bit more depth, a little bit more realism. I think they've really tried, and again, you can measure the success or failure, however you want with it, but they have given lip service or tried to make the Bond women a little bit more dynamic with it. Um, I'm not saying they're always successful or that it always works, but there's been a lot more emphasis on that. I mean, you go back to Honey Rider in that first Dr. No movie, and again, it's just like, whoa, with a lot of those early ones. And they have gotten away, obviously, thank God, from some of that. But um, Well, I so think, is our era. Yes, <laughs> so is the time exactly, that we're living exactly. in. Yeah, but even... Seriously, even you go back to like you mentioned that you'd seen that first Dalton movie and everything, uh, Living Daylights. Were there? Do you remember much of that movie? Just it was like a cheesy eighties action movie, basically. Sure. Do you remember much of the way that uh, there's really only one in that movie, uh, main female character in that? Yeah. Do you remember how she was kind of portrayed or? Not really. I didn't pay that much attention. <laughs> Honestly, I was just kind of on in the background. Yeah, no, I mean, she's she's kind of the essence of the James, kind of like, you know, rolling in the background by a certain point with that. They kind of start out one way, and again, they're kind of mirroring the short story that that movie is uh, made off of, but the story only really goes through the first, I don't know, 25 minutes, half an hour of the film. And then after that, they're like, well, let's just see what we come up with. And yeah, you, you go back so far and it's just really kind of surprising when you get into some of this stuff. And it's just like, they, you know, they try, they hold these interviews and some of it is they they're just so beholden to the formula because they know that it works. And then some of it is just like, trying to spin stuff and go, oh, yeah, this time we got it. She's a really strong lady and this, that, and the other thing. And you watch the movies and maybe it plays well for a few years and then you go back to it and you're like, wait, what? So, all right, so what is your preference then? Um, the only movie where you've got somebody, to me at least, uh, who is like, really a true equal you all you got to go all the way back to on his majesty's or on her majesty's secret service uh all the way back to 69 with that one lazenby movie with tracy bond tracy bond yeah um and even that is very uneven because he goes off to blofeld's uh alp alpine uh retreat and everything and he's sitting there bedding girls even though he's engaged to her and it's like wait what <laughs> which one is it 
And again, it's a movie that is of its time, and it, I don't think it could totally make up its mind what it wanted to be. It was the first time that their original guy was gone. They were kind of scrambling on that, and it's like, oh, well, you know, if we do this, what are people going to think? And I think the film in some ways kind of suffers from that. It establishes some really interesting new ideas and ways of kind of perceiving the characters and everything like that, but it's flawed. And anybody who watches it now, I think, would tell you that. It's like, okay, well, there's some, like, really cool ideas here and um, some unique ways of putting it, but it's it's far from a perfect film. Right. Um, so if we get into having to do a new Bond movie here, mm-hmm. what is your is your preference to have a one-off action movie where... There's James Bond in M's office with Money Penny, joke of jokes, gadget gadgets. I'm going off, fight this guy. Okay, I well, win well, at the well, end with Bond girls, or something more along the lines of what they attempted a little bit with Skyfall, where it's here's backstory of this dude and personal relationships and whatnot, and it's all embedded down into these interpersonal dealings and his history and. And he's going to still save the day. I mean, what on just that superficial level, what is your preference in the Bond history? More personal stuff with, like, Tracy Bond and getting married or more of just, here's just my adventure for the day? <laughs> Hello? <laughs> Hello, Christmas uh, Jones. Uh, it's my adventure. I, I, I think it's twofold. If they went back at this point to the coming out of the Craig era, if he actually is done... To the jokey more, you would have the same Dalton like neck snap. It's like tonally, what? What is going on here? Um, I think whoever they get will be professional. I think they will care about the character. I don't have any concerns along those lines. It's more about can the audience keep up and follow why you're doing what you're doing? And I think that's the problem that Dalton ran into. And then Pierce was just kind of this safety net. Um, who got handed, again, kind of some bad scripts and everything. I think he had a lot of promise. But there is a sharp, at least again, in my opinion, there is a sharp decline as you go from GoldenEye all the way down to Tomorrow Never Dies. Or Die uh, Another Day was the last Thank one. you, yes. Yeah, but... But, okay, so we're 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 putting a new Bond movie together. Do you just see it as... Here's an adventure, and you just throw in and go? Or do you feel like that each time there's a new actor, you have to start a whole new round of story? Not necessarily. I think a lot of people really want to get to know a little bit more about him. I mean, it's like peeling an onion. Um, You you peel back a little bit more each time. You learn a little bit more about the character. And what motivates them and drives them. Uh, I think one of the strengths, honestly, of the uh, series and why it has lasted as long as it has is that they've been able to go through and give, again, not consistently necessarily, but they give the audience something new. And they reveal a little bit more about the character and the humanity of the character, one way or another, good or bad, uh, with each iteration of them. Um, 
sometimes they go back to the source material. Sometimes they just kind of completely reinvent them. And that's fine. I, If you want to go back to classic literature and everything, he's kind of the iconoclast that is the Arthurian legend. You can mold it and make it into whatever you need it to be for a given time frame and a given audience, which is, again, one of the strengths of it and why I think it's endured as long as it has. Uh, getting back to your original question about what would I do with it, Harry Carey. Harry Carey. <laughs> Clearly. <laughs> I think uh, that answers it all. We should just stop the podcast now. I'm kind of wacky and goofy. You want a hot dog? I'm your cue. <laughs> hey, Jim. You want a bun? <laughs> Here's your car. Here's some new product placement. I found it just outside. <laughs> I took this. Chorus. <laughs> hope you don't mind, but I took this car on the Michigan Avenue last night at about 3 a.m. Stop by. Right. I'm not going to lie to you. <laughs> that That is not a gadget in the back seat. That is leftover from the wiener circle. It's back. <laughs> oh, we so need to get this to happen. <laughs> just for no good. <laughs> so, do you. Prefer the light bond or the dark gritty bond? Again, I I, I think uh, Craig's portrayal of the character is showing us that you can have moments of both. It's just like, well, which one do you want to favor? Primarily, I would say, you know, Dark Knight influenced or otherwise, he has been more of the kind of hard-edged, you have a lot of the original kind of novelization kind of embodiment of the character, but you do have those light humanistic moments. That's what you really need with any kind of character that you want to connect with. You have to be able to kind of see them as a person, see them as someone you would want to be able to talk to, interact with, understand. Um, And I think that's honestly where some of the older iterations of the character or films or whatever, they don't age so well because of that. They kind of get lost in the cartoonishness or the sentiments of the time, which is why you need to keep kind of updating it if you're going to keep connecting to the character. So as far as like whether or not it should be serious or comedic, I say, well, you've kind of established to your own, you know, good graces one way or another. We've seen it can work comedically, primarily. We've seen it can work as more serious. It's what do we feel is right for the moment? Where do we want to go with the storytelling and with the character? Well, then here's one for you. Just a general producerial sense. Well, I said that horribly. Produce Oreo sounds all through this, so go ahead. Burr. So, uh, would you ever want to have like a 20 something bond? We we can talk about casting since Craig may be done, but Mm -hmm. it's too hard to just say, well, what about this guy? Or Idris Elba should do it, or uh, you know, this no, it'd be awesome if he did that, (laughs) but uh, you might run into the same problems there because the man's almost 50 years old, yeah. But I'm looking at it, do you ever see a time where, because I remember the the talk back in the day was, well, Daniel Craig got it, and he was, I think, in his upper 30s, maybe right around 40 when he started. There was a lot of controversy when he first got it. I mean, there was a lot of Bond film 
fans who are just hating on the guy. They're like, the hair color's wrong. He's built wrong. Yeah. Uh, whatever. And they never saw, you know, that's because of the film or whatever. And it's just like, oh, come on, just see what they give you. That's Michael Keaton, Heath Ledger, Ben Affleck yes, problems. It is. It and it's always going to continue. Kind of thing, and it will. Yeah. But. I remember that uh, during those casting times, Henry Cavill was actually right there yes, neck and neck. Yes. And well, they've that, had a lot of interesting choices over the years if you go digging into the history of the series. But at that point, I guess my question is, Henry Cavill, if he was chosen, and I think that's the reason why he wasn't, he was only like 21, 22 Mm-hmm. So, do you ever see a time where James Bond could work with a legitimate younger actor? That's interesting. Um, because every one of these guys is always starting out right around, like, if if they're not 40, they look like they're 40. All right, I'm going to throw out a real blast from the past on this one. Do you know the name of an actor from way back named David Nevin? Oh, of course. Okay. He and I think was... it's Niven. Niven? Okay, yeah. my bad. <laughs> he was apparently the original actor when Ian Fleming was kind of coming up with, like, the stories and his envisionment of envisioning of the character and everything that... He said, okay, this is kind of who I'm basing this off of. This is who I would love to see play it, yada, yada, yada. And he did in the comedic Peter Sellers-esque Casino Royale in 67? Yes. Um, You know, it did come full circle in a sense on that lines, but um, that was what he was kind of thinking of, uh, Back when he originally kind of went with the character and everything. I don't think we've ever really gotten, and he was not a young man even then. I don't think we've ever really gotten a young Bond other than the um, unfortunate James Bond Jr. cartoon series. Oh, yeah. (laughs) That was a major uh, cluster. Uh, But... Yeah, it really, it's like you got to be north of 40 years old uh, or in your late 30s to really be Bond. Now, we've gone back, obviously, with Craig and seen, like, his impetus and how he became that. And that may be, for now, where they want to stop with that. It's like, okay, look, we've established this for you. We've kind of gone back to the beginning. This is what it is. We don't need a whole big youth movement thing. Um, I'm not saying it's right or wrong as far as how young um, a potential reboot would be or anything like that. I do think for now, at least, they did a very good job with how he kind of established himself with going back to the original source material and everything. And if you were going to go with a younger actor of any type that you would need to just kind of make it its own thing. Don't go back and retell Casino Royale or anything like that. So would you see more of a personalized story, kind of like what they did in Skyfall and make it more of a, here's this character's, would you show James Bond begins 
basically, which Casino Royale kind of hinted at it at the very really beginning. It really did, but, yeah. But would you go further and show something like Kingsman? You know, the movie Kingsman came out this year, which was fantastic. And even though it was kind of comic booky, it was still based around the gentleman British spy. And it was based around an organization that was creating the new updated gentleman English spies, British spies. And and Taron Edgerton was the lead, and he was awesome. And he's like 23, 24. And they're going to keep I, doing those movies, but it seemed like, well, when he was in his role, he, he was he was like a young Bond in training. And I think, well, could that work for a James Bond movie? Or are they so set that, oh, what are you, 31? Sorry, come back to us in about eight years. You might work. I, I, I think it's one of those things where the instinct would be, okay, if you're going back to younger you need to go back to the beginning or whatever. I would actually say in the case of this, with the great job they've done with Craig's portrayal and everything, and again, we haven't seen Spectre. They might be kind of playing out some of what your original question was. Um, we'll just have to see when we actually watch the movie. Uh, but I don't know if you have to, because you get a younger person playing the role if you got to go back to an origin story it's like can't we just make this guy younger and just go forward with the adventure is there anything wrong with that not at all so your your favorite idea would be just jumping into a a regular bond adventure and it Mm -hmm. is what it is and you don't have to get too crazy personal with james bond you just he is what he is and you jump in it's kind of like the idea of the superhero we we don't need a superhero origin anymore we've seen bruce wayne's parents get killed spoiler alert so many times (laughs) so uh, you're gonna just jump in and watch this character do his thing and come along for the ride yeah and sometimes the producers and the writers may reveal something new and they may change it up on you and change the expectation and other times it's going to be like hey you know what this is the grilled cheese and tomato soup and <laughs> you're going out there you know what you're getting and you here are you go. damn tomato and, soup yeah i know i, I wonder what you're having tonight activated. grilled cheese and tomato soup chicken nachos oh oh that's right <laughs> Would you ever look at seeing, you know, all that stuff in the 90s when they were talking about Brosnan coming back? And I remember the talk of, well, what if Quentin Tarantino wrote and directed a Bond movie with Sharon Stone as the new James Bond-ass person? And I'm, I'm kind of intrigued by that in some ways. And I think if you caught me even five, ten years ago, I would have been like, yeah. Mix it up, do this, do that. And that's not to say that you can't change things uh, at all and that you can't get different voices in there. Obviously, we say that every time they get new directorial blood in there and where they're going with these things and new actors and actresses. I think that's great. Um, But it's, again, kind of one of those things where you're kind of like going six and a half a dozen of the other. On one hand, you're like, what could this become? Where would this go? Where would that take the character and the storytelling and everything? On the other hand, you're kind of going, well, wait, if you're throwing in all these different styles and ideas and everything, will the audience follow? And it's kind of the potential and 
what is known. So what you're saying is, is the broccoli should really follow the Lucasfilm Disney model and have here's the Star Wars episode movies that are just like all the other ones. But here's some anthology movies that are different styles, and we play around in the universe. So you're saying there should be if, the if traditional James Bond movies every three years, and in between, well, here's Idris Elba as James Bond. And, yeah, and even some of the, like... Uh, here's 009. <laughs> well, yeah, you could get into that. You could get into what happens to some of these different Bond women. I mean, I think you could probably expand it. I don't think we're to the point all, where that's... <laughs> they, oh, what happens with these different Bond women and all you what? do? It was just show a series of them coming out. Where's she now? You just see a series of them coming out of like Planned Parenthood and stuff. Uh, (laughs) They're all walking out of Planned Parenthood. Oh, Jesus. You got to expand that, obviously, quite a bit for me to get that one to play. It's the Bond women, colon, herpes. See, now, look who's talking now. STDs, the Bond ladies. Uh, no, you you definitely would have to play with that. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> oh God, so many bad sequels! All of a sudden, I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> you 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 do have Bond uh, ladies, herpes, and anal warts. <laughs> you should get yourself tested. They're they're all in like some kind of like psychotherapy ward going back to like the Halloween stuff here. <laughs> they all have these like horror stories about James Bond and right. what he gave them. <laughs> so we've gotten the general idea here of uh what we would do. Yeah. All right. So well, before we go any further there and just hold your thought for a second, because again, we've been hearing this from the like vested I I know the backstory. I know the reasons why. I know this. I know that. What about the casual fan perspective on this? What do you? What would you like to see? I think just the the back and forth thing is is kind of wishy washy. I think back you, and forth in what sense? The tone, or? meaning that you've got all right we're going to go super serious and here's the background of James Bond and is it just a code name and for different people or is he just James Bond throughout the years why is Judy Dench still here i it's just been able to play pretty loose and easy with that for a long time and then you have the other aspect of well now here's just the fun adventure and that's always what i thought of before i really knew what James Bond was my thought was, well, it's just this, I'm going to go to the Bahamas and fight these bad guys, then I'm going to go ski off a mountain and fight these bad guys <laughs> with this gadget, and then right, I'm going to sleep with what, this woman. Which is what more was, which is why it's kind of fun to go back to that era, because it is just what it is. It's just like, all right, well, we're not taking this too seriously, and it's an adventure, and if it makes sense, great. If not, whatever. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's either that or they have to wholeheartedly commit to Here's this guy named James Bond. Here's his backstory. Here's his full story. Here's where he's at emotionally. Here's where he's at physically. And here's the people that he's fighting in this episodic series of adventures that can go one, two, three, four down the line that are all tied together. Whereas it seems like even the Craig's movies live in this universe, this world that we live in of serialized TV and storytelling and everything's connected and yet, 
outside of Judy Dench showing up and dying, they're not really connected. <gasps> she died? Oh, for the love of... <laughs> it's, it's not too soon, folks. It was three Spoiler years ago. alert! Oh, crying out loud. <laughs> and Terry Hatcher's in one of them, too. Fine, Oh, my done. God! Spoiler! Lois Lane! Yes, one of them. As I have dogs oh, fighting in the background. <laughs> For some reason, I have dogs that have decided to play. Oh, my God. They love the idea What's of Terry Hatcher. <laughs> Can Holly Berry show up for this dog fight? No, please no. Oh, good lord. So, just in a no more future tense thing, just for funsies, so to speak, right. if, if Madonna were to show up here and start singing one of her hit no, tunes. No, again, God, please no. <laughs> if Garbage were to show up with a tune. Let's just forget that film altogether. <laughs> Cheryl Crow could be here cranking out something. Uh, who's your favorite Bond? Hmm. All right, this will be sad or good, depending on your point of view. If you're looking for what I like in the character, no qualifications here. Don't okay, we'll see out. Just I'd who's your favorite probably, Bond? I'd probably have to go with Craig right now, honestly. Um, I I really like him. If you're going for more of the classic thing, I'd have to go with Connery. Then probably I I do like more. A lot of people again, he doesn't play real well for people today, and they're like, this is silly and obnoxious and stupid and whatever. And it can be all those things, but there's just something just kind of fun. And again, I I don't know if I'm biased just because I grew up. You know, in the late 70s and 80s when he was doing it and everything. And it was just like people always talk about, you know, oh, well, they're my Bond or whatever. He was the guy back then. Right on. Um, Probably uh, Pierce next just because, again, I saw some of the movies he was in in the theater and I've got that connection and everything. I really didn't come to Lazenby until quite late. Uh, that was always one of those, oh, well, he just did one. Well, it's got to be terrible and whatever. And I just didn't really ever seek it out for a long time. So, uh, again, it's flawed. It's fine. I like a lot of what's in there. Whether or not that's a credit to him exclusively, it it is what it is. Um, Dalton, I've never known how to feel about Dalton. I, I love him in Hot Fuzz. He's great in that and has done, I think, some nice work. Uh, as far as being Bond, he's miscast. Kind of, yeah, he's just kind of boring. I understand what he was trying to do, but, I, and again, I don't know if I'm a victim of the tonal shift or what, but it's just kind of like, well, you're fine, but I don't really connect with you as a character. You're just so standoffish and cocksure and whatever that – and he only had the two outings. If he had a third one, I might feel a little bit different and a little bit more strongly about him, but he's just kind of there to me. I don't really feel good or bad. I He's adequate. He's fine in the role. Adequate action. Yeah, is that... The Living Daylights, it's adequate. adequate. Isn't it just adequate? <laughs> um, I And I feel kind of bad saying that because 
the guy, if you ever see any interviews with him, I mean, he clearly cared about what he was doing and really tried to give it his all and really wanted people to connect with him and what he was doing in the character. And I don't begrudge that in, you know, one bit, but the movies just aren't that much fun to go back and watch. All right. So if somebody says to you, just, you know, you're not thinking about it. Do what now? Oh, uh, you said somebody says to me, and I said, burn in hell, Venkman. Well, of course. Oh, yeah, that's normal. Yeah, I mean... It's uh, like a problem for me. I was just about to say, 8 o'clock. <laughs> so, if somebody in a, just says to you, James Bond, who's the first person comes to your mind? Connery. There you go. Yeah, see, for me, it's Brosnan, and I think that has more to do with the first movie I saw than anything. But right. then again, just taking quality of film out, screenplays out, and Mm -hmm. just putting a mental image of knowing what the character of James Bond is supposed to be, for me, Pierce Brosnan just inhabits that in my mind's eye. Well, and that's really, I mean, I think why a lot of people were so gung-ho when he got the job. He had been considered for it. Uh, Dalton, um, speaking about Lazenby, Dalton was up at the same era for that role and he said I'm too young I I don't fit the bill this shouldn't go to me and that's how Lazenby kind of got into the role in part there were other people obviously up for it um, well yeah I mean that's just it's, and again it's all personal opinion because this yeah, thing is 50 is. years old Yeah, but no, when I think of the vision of James Bond I think of Pierce Brosnan in a tuxedo and I think that's just if you're talking about just the look alone, I'd say, yeah. Yeah, it's just that's just what I think of. Um, as far as what's your favorite Bond movie of all 8,000 Bond movies that have existed? <laughs> what is your, what's the one go-to movie? Uh, that there's only think? 24 to pick from. Come on. <laughs> Plus spoofs and whatnot. Plus spoofs and whatnot. And again, this, this may be the age, and this may be... Uh, Sophistry, whatever. I, I really got to go with Craig's Casino Royale. All right, right on. That that just to me is it's just banging on all cylinders. I care about everything going on in there. Um, it still plays to me, and it's been almost ten years. I really like. Oh God, Eva Green. Um, I, I really like the Bond girl. You've got the complexity there. You've got the complexity in the Bond character. You've got kind of the back and forth as far as some of the getting those jokes in there but not being too jokey. And it it just works to me as a movie, and it holds up. And if I had to, you know, you know it's like strapping me to the chair kind of thing, <laughs> like in that movie, I'd have to be like, that's it. That's it. That's the one. Yeah, I go... At what you've seen. Yeah, I just... I go GoldenEye or Skyfall. Those about the only ones that uh, I would say. I'd absolutely go back and watch that, even though I've seen more of them. I like Skyfall quite a bit. Uh, But there's just something deeper for me personally with Casino. All right. Well, is there anything left to say about this 
4,000-year-old character named James <laughs> Bond that I just... I have a dinosaur named James Bondish. Um, when, the fact that we can stand here in 2015... Marty, 2015! So we can... <laughs> I, you have to do it every time until the end of the year. Oh, thank God. <laughs> when you stand here in 2015 and you can say... Oh, James Bond is our president's favorite character. And you can legitimately say, yeah, that was John Kennedy's favorite character. Hey, at least he got to see the movie before it all went down. He got to see two of them, I think, right? Oh, yeah. I Literally, I think he had an early screening or a personal screening of uh, From Russia With Love not too yeah. long before <laughs> a very bad November day. Yeah, very boomtown. So it, it's... It, it just it goes on forever, and I don't think it should go on forever. I think it's one of those things like Halloween. It's it's enough because it's starting to seem <laughs> like it's a cash. Even though people like the movies, and I, you know, again, they don't don't get me wrong, people. The equation I'm doing here is just simply longevity. <laughs> it's not quality. Uh, I think that this you, you have to find some way to end it. Uh, it's not going to happen because the money cash at uh, the cash cow just keeps dripping no matter what they do. Um, but I think they neither either need to end the current model they're doing or they need to just let different directors roll with an idea of how to change it up. Whether and it's, again, I, d- I really don't think that's going to happen until the Broccoli family, Michael F. Wilson, who's one of the main producers, until that team leaves I just don't see that happening then I think you know it's like the studio will kind of step in and go wow we have made a lot of money off of this what else can we do with it and they will start playing with the formula until then I think you're just kind of locked into what it has been you'll have your good ones you'll have your bad ones you'll have uh, controversial choices as far as the casting or the way that certain things are done Uh, so I don't know Max, another 10 years with the way that we've been going, uh, probably less, honestly. Um, I think they're, you're talking about endpoints and uh, things changing and everything. I really do think that at a certain point, you know, people are, who are running the show right now are going to kind of look at themselves and look at their lives and look at what they've been able to do, and they'll just be kind of like, I'm good. And we'll see where it goes from there. Well, here's the question I put forth and during one of the Batman uh, <laughs> series was... Oh, yes, I will play... Batman? James Bond? Hello, <laughs> I'm Batman. Uh, James Batman. I'm going to fight Batman. <laughs> His, uh, has, consideration has my specter. Hey, I'm trying to get in here, Jim. <laughs> so... Aren't I the hero of this place? Has there been... A perfect iteration put on screen for you of this character. Because I said during the the Batman sequences, whatever, when we talked about that, I said there hasn't been a perfect on-screen representation of that character yet. And it's still there, and it's possible. Has there been one for James Bond? Has it gotten closer than any other of these franchises that exist out there to that's the perfect version of that character? Yeah, again, that's a slippery slope question. If you're going to go off of the character who is in the books, he's kind of an unlikable guy. And I 
I don't think if you wanted to go the pure route as far as going back to the source material that you're ever going to come up with somebody who really fits the bill for that because there are so many character flaws and idiosyncrasies with Fleming and everything that I think that a lot of people, if you put the purest iteration of the character on screen from the books, they'd be like, what the fuck is wrong with this guy? <laughs> well, I'm not saying from the books, They would seriously just be like repulsed the hilt and be like nobody thinks that way talks that way acts that way towards you know this demographic this gender whatever it is i think people would just be like no 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 this this does not work at all All um all right so then retract that question and then the final line of questioning here because this is a different line of questioning no If there, <laughs> if one of your students yeah. came to you and said, "I've never seen a James Bond movie for, before," what should I see? And you don't have to worry about them seeing the next Craig movie or whatever. It's just simply you have one movie to say. This is what you need to see to understand James Bond, and you don't have to see any other one. What would that be out of the twenty-four? Good lord. Um... Like, to just understand everything there was about Bond? Just simply, somebody comes to you and says, look, I have I have 12 hours to live, and I've never seen Star Wars, <laughs> James Bond, a horror movie, or an Oscar-winning movie, so I have oh, just enough time to watch... Oh, God, you've spent your life. No. <laughs> I've di- I have just enough time to watch one of each. So you'd tell them, watch uh, The Phantom Menace. That'll get you everything you oh, need to know yeah, about Star yeah, Wars. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and then watch Superman 4. That'll get you everything you know about okay. Cooper okay. Combo okay. movie. <laughs> so, wh- you know, what's the one James Bond movie that you'd say, uh, all right, well, this is the one you can watch that you will get the gist of most of it? Oh, die another day. De- oh, wait. Um. <laughs> the world is not enough. <laughs> the world is not enough for Octopussy ever again. Yeah. This may be a conventional, unconventional answer, and probably not the one you're fishing for, because um, I think you already told me not to say this. I would say, all right, put Casino Royale and Quantum of Solace, watch it back-to-back as one Uber movie, build in some bathroom breaks for yourself so your bladder doesn't blow up, and just see that as one complete oeuvre and see what happens for you. All right. So they can just skip the corner and you'll be fine. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it's still worth going back and revisiting that again. I I think as we get further and further away from that era and as fewer and fewer people, because, I mean, let's face it, when's the last time Sean appeared in a new movie? He's. I'm retired, you son of a bitch. Yeah, that's great. I'm good on him. Uh, but as you get further and further away from him as an actor of new material of those movies, I think it's harder, again, because of a lot of the sentimentality of what was going on in that age and the treatment of the storytelling and the characters and um, some of the social political issues and everything like that, I think it's harder for people to connect with those. And is he the, you know, penultimate or iconoclast and everything like that? Again, I think for a lot of people, they'd say yes. Uh, but 
if you were starting someone from scratch today with the demographic that you gave me, I would say, yeah, ground yourself in these newer Craig movies and just see what it does for you. Right on. Get a flavor. Is there anything more to say about this foolish, foolish, endless character? What's what's your best uh, Bond girl name? STD. <laughs> <laughs> Don't forget to like us on Facebook. Episodes can be downloaded on iTunes or at EnceladusLiterary.com. She always did enjoy a good squeeze. Opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the individual hosts and may not reflect those of Enceladus Literary. What, no small talk? No chit-chat? I'm not in the habit of giving answers to lackeys. Well, then you're in Okay, but... Ah!